Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning a new Masechta. What a schos. May we be zochet to learn them all together. And then learn them again and again. Hadron Allah, Masechta Sukkah. And now, the elephant in the room. What Masechta are we learning now? So you look at the Rabbeinu Hananel. You think I'm kidding. And here we go. Says Rabbeinu Hananel. Atchil Masechta Be'ya Be'ezos Gadol Ha'etza. Oh, wait. Atchil Masechta Be'etza Be'ezos Gadol Ha'etza. That makes sense. Clearly, he's rhyming it, and clearly, he's not afraid to say beta. I think there's a cultural thing here. You know, if you say beta to me, it doesn't sound any less risque than beta, personally. Mm. So, I'm going to go with the culture of, when you say beta to me, I think of an egg. If you say beta, it sounds to me like you're trying to hide something, and then I get um, concerned. So, for our purposes, I hope you won't be offended. We'll go with Rebbeinu Hanan, and I'll call it Maseches Beitza. Is that Okay. Now, the other thing is, whenever, uh, if you've had the schus of being a Baal and having people making fun of you for learning Gemara, they'll say one of two things. Either, really, you care about Beitza Shenolda Beyantiv? What does that have to do with life? Or they'll say, if they're feminist and more sophisticated, say, Haisha Nichnes. We'll get to Kiddushin, God willing, soon. <laughs> but, Beitza Shenolda Beyantiv happens to be very, very relevant because it is, by some Rishonim, called Maseches Yantiv. It is the halachas of Yantiv, those which are not specific to, right, either the Shalash Regalim or anything like that, those that are actually Yantiv. And Yantiv is characterized by Ochel Nefesh, right? There's two things about Yantiv, if I would have to pick two things that make it different than Shabbos, the Gemara says it straight up. Ein bin Shabbos Yantiv, Ela Ochel Nefesh Belvad. So, first of all, you have the idea of eating. And secondly, you have the idea of, of Muktza, which we'll see as soon as this very daf. So it's worth mentioning in the introductory remarks that Mukta is um, different, in a sense, on Yantiv, we'll see, than it is on Shabbos. And so nothing represents food and Mukta, because usually food isn't Mukta, okay? Because food is Mukhan, as we will see. Nothing represents food and Mukta at the same time, the nexus of our two main topics, better than a Beitzah Shernal be Yantiv. So it's a very appropriate way to uh, start our Masechta indeed. Okay, so what's the case? Beitzah Shenol to be Yantiv, looking inside. An egg was born on Yantiv. The uh, fact of the matter is, it could also be born on Shabbos, but it's not for now. So Beitzah Shenol to be Yantiv. Beit Shammai omen te'achel, uveit hillel omen lo te'achel. So Gemara is going to discuss at least four possibilities of what the machlokas here is. Beit Shammai is going to let you eat the egg, and Basila says that it's Aser. Now, right away, you should also note, this is unusual. We find that Beit Hillel is usually more makil. Here, Beit Hillel is the hardliner stringency. And Beit Shammai, he's loosey-goosey, right? Yeah, Te'achel, you can eat this Beitzah. Well, that becomes the theme of our Mishnah. Because now we're going to have, as Rashi points out, Two other machloksin, and so our mission is comprised of three machloksin, Beit Shammai, with respect to aspects of Yantiv, okay, where Beit Shammai, in fact, is uncharacteristically more mekel than Beit Shammai. So case number one is a Beit Shammai to Yantiv, Beit Shammai says you can eat it, Beit Shammai says you cannot. Case number two. Beit Shammai Yomrim Saor Bechazayis Vechamis Bechachoseves. Well, we've already learned Mesechus Pesachim, Baruch Hashem, so we are familiar with this uh, concept that it is, in fact, bringing back to Maseches Pesachim, how much is a chametz, 
uh, how much chametz do you need to have in your possession in order to be over the prohibition of bali roi bali matzei? That's the that's the issue here, <coughs> right? For achila, we we're used to saying kezais is the iser, right? So that we know. But how about for bali roi bali matzei? That's not exactly achila. That's how much is found in your possession. So we've already discussed this. How how do we arrive at the shear? Be that as it may, the halacha is a machlokis, where Bichamai says that the saor, which is more like the leavening agent, right? It's more potent than chametz. That's a kezayis, but he's mekel with chametz. Chametz, amazingly, the amount that you have to have, of chametz you have to have in your possession to be over Bali is not a kezayis, but the larger shear of a choseves. Whereas Beis Hillel says, that the shear for both of them is a chazais. Good. So that's another chumr, so to speak, or uh, Beis Hillel, or where he's more machmir than Beis Shammai. And finally, the third case, hashochet chayev of b'yomtiv. Beis Shammai omrim yachbor b'deker v'yichase. So what's going on here? Kisui hadam. Kisui hadam is a biblical, right, necessity. Once you have the blood splitting Splitting on the floor. Anybody ever been to the Empire Factory? I have. I was vegetarian for like two weeks after that. Anyways, so um, if you have the blood on the floor, you're supposed to cover it. That's that's a halacha. That's straight up in the in the Torah. So, so whether you're shochet achaya or an oaf, right? Um, if it's a if it's a behema or if it's a chicken, if you shechted it on yantiv, which you are allowed to do, right? Um, that's Ochal Nefesh. Beit Shammai Omrim Yachbar B'Dekei Rechasa. Here's the problem. How are you going to cover the, the, the dam? So if you have earth already ready, so then that's good. But if you don't, right, so then what are you going to do? So Beit Shammai says, don't worry about it. Just take a shovel, put it to the ground, take out the dirt and use that. You're allowed to do that. Uh, Rashi says, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> hold on, hold up. Rashi says, Umoidim shim shachat, as we'll see, this is the first narrow line, Kedim farish time of Gemara, Kshayshal dekar nots yom. This, nobody's saying, and Rashi, we're going to say in the Gemara, but Rashi doesn't want Andrew, who gets a mazel tov for his new grandson, we don't know, you know, he may get caught up in simchas, and he's going to walk around thinking that you could stick a shovel in the ground, on Yontiv, that certainly you cannot do because that's going to be like Harisha, right? That's a Daraisa. But he's saying if the shovel, as the Gemara is going to say later, if it's already in the ground, you can lift the shovel off the ground and you can pick up the... Uh, why then is it Usr? We will see. We will see. But be that as it may, you uh, have a Machlokas here where on some level Beit Shammai says you could lift the shovel off the ground with the right earth and cover that. Use that for Kisui Hadam. Yisrael said, guess what? Look to see if you have the earth ready and available from, from that you prepared before Yantiv to cover it. And if not, you're out of luck. We're not going to let you shechten altogether. That's quite the stringency. Umodin, but Beisil and Beisham will both agree, Shim Shachat, that if you already, right, shechted, right, you weren't supposed to, that would be, according to Beisil that would be a violation of a Durbanan, right? According to Beisillo, you're not allowed to shecht if you don't have the dirt. But he would agree that if you already shechted, now you're up against the Daraisa of having to cover the dam. So then, if that's the case, even Beisillo would concede, that he can dig with the shovel and then cover it and do the Kisoy Adam 
for the reason that's hard to uh, understand exactly what it means, because the ashes of a stove are considered already muchan. What does that have to do with anything? What does that even mean? Rashi, we're going to explain in the Gemara. Okay, so a little suspense for what does Afer Kira have to do with anything and what does it mean? Okay, so let's do the Gemara here. The Beit HaShan Aldebin Naltam, Beyantiv. What is the case? So says the Gemara, Okay, so we're going to translate, but then we have to do some introductory remarks because we're getting right into Muxa right off the bat. So the first thing is we'll translate. We're saying, what kind of chicken are we dealing with? There's two kinds of chickens. There's one is the kind of chicken that you're going to eat, right? And one is a chicken that you're keeping around, right, to lay eggs. Now, a chicken that you're going to eat is food. A chicken that's laying eggs is like, that's your, that's your parnasa. That's your golden goose, so to speak, to mix like three metaphors in one. So that is mukta. You see what I mean? So the same chicken, depending on whether you, right, intend for, to eat it or intend to use it for parnasa, can be either mukta or totally not. Okay? So the first suggestion in our Mishnah is, if you're going to say that it's food, why would Basil ask her such an egg? As actually Tosfus, suggests, we'll say it outside. It's food. The chicken is food. And thus, all of the chicken, including all of its insides, including the egg that's inside, all of it should have been considered food. And therefore, food is not mukta. Right? We're about to get to that triggering word of muksa, so we'll go a little further and then we'll do the introductory rem- remarks. Ella says the Gemara, It's not a, a chicken you're planning to eat, it's your golden goose that you're planning to keep around to produce eggs. So in that context, okay, we can understand why Beis Hillel uh, is going to not allow it. Because again, the chicken is not something that you're going to use on Yontiv. You're using it to make eggs, and therefore the chicken is mukta, and that prompts the Gemara to ask, If you have such a chicken that's made to lay eggs, how can Bechamai allow you to eat the egg? Says the Gemara, Muktzehi. It's mukta. So it behooves us at this point to ask, what does mukta mean? <laughs> right? We know what mukta means. We say, Right? If a kid plays with a toy that makes a lot of noise in shop, we say, don't touch that. It's muktza. But what does muktza mean? So muktza is best understood in the context of what the antonym? What's the, what is the word for? Antonym is the opposite word meaning? Okay. The opposite of muktza is muchan. Right? Okay. Muchan is prepared. Now, we're going to very, very quickly get into the machlokas uh, between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda. Right? And the Machlokas Rabbi Shimon Rabbi Yehuda is famous, and it's as if we have throughout Shas, and we've already mentioned it, it's going, and it appeared, right, in Shabbos, uh, in Masechus Shabbos, Taf Memdalad, and all over Shas. They say that Rabbi Shimon doesn't hold of Muktzah, and Rabbi Yehuda holds of Muktzah. Now, it's not really true. In other words, it's not a categorical thing where we hold that Rabbi Shimon just, just, just totally doesn't hold of the institution of Muktzah. No. Everybody holds... For example, even Rabbi Yehuda, who supposedly holds, who 
we reportedly holds of muktzah would agree that food or, right, or, or the point was like this. Certainly anything that you prepared, right, something which is muchan, right, anything that you prepared, everybody would hold, you're allowed to use on Shabbos. If you want to conceptualize it, you could say, on Shabbos was supposed to be a Kodesh Baruch Hu's guest, but you reap what you sow, right? Only that which you prepared can you use, right, on Shabbos. And it's supposed to, if you want to get philosophical about it, it's supposed to create a feeling of, like, Olam Haba, right? Like, you show up, Gan Eden, and everything's prepared for you. But you can only have that feeling if you plan ahead, right, and prepare, so, uh, and prepare for Shabbos, right? You can't just show up, and expect it to be, and expect it to be uh, beautiful without preparing ahead, and that's the Garanot Mitzvah moment. As we head into right the Yom Naraim, we can't just show up in shul and expect uh, to w- without preparation of tshuva. Let's say, okay, so that's true of anything. Good. I can't just show up and assume that just because Rav Melunitz did a great job with the art scroll that I'm going to be prepared to give the daf. Okay, so muhan is the opposite of muktzah. Now. Everybody would also agree, even Rabbi Shimon, who supposedly doesn't hold of Muktzah, would agree that if something came out of nowhere, it never existed before, or if something was, <coughs> let's say, my digital scanner, this $50,000 machine and that I only use for work, that would always be Muktzah on Shabbos, right? That would always, I would never have any use for it. I, or if I was docha something be a dime, I'm Shlomo Zaman, I put it in, I put it in the uh, washing machine, whatever. I was docha something be a dime, meaning I purposely took something and for, or it's eights in vavonim, has no use in the world. So eights in vavonim. All of those things are muktza. They're the opposite of preparation. There's no way in the world, and here's where we start again to the machlokas, there's no way in the world that had you even known, that you could have known that this would exist and thus had some sort of vague mental preparation of this item. Because this item, my digital scanner, that's Muksa Machmas Chisar and Kiss, that is all the way out. So what we're trying to bring out here is there's a spectrum, okay? Certain things are for sure Muksa, and certain things are for sure not Muksa, and both Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon would agree to those things. But then there's everything in between, and there's categories within that spectrum, and that's going to be a big topic of us when, as we learn Masechus Pesach. So, the question is, uh, the simplest way to understand it for now is to say it like this. An item that you do have a use for now. So I like to use the hammer, okay, that, to break the walnut. You have a walnut, you don't have a walnut cracker, okay? The hammer is in your tool, uh, is in your toolbox, or maybe it's even in your kitchen drawer, and you usually use it to either, like, do binyan, which is asar on Shabbos and yantiv, or sometimes you can use it to crack a nut. So that's a klisha malachta le'iser, but that, that's like a nice middle ground, right, where you have the opportunity now to use it for something that's mutter, to crack a walnut. So Rabbi Yehuda, in that case, would say, what is the default, is the way I like to think of it. Some say it in a fancier way, that which is Aramaic for, if you didn't think of it before Shabbos, then it's not considered prepared. It's not mukhan, and therefore it's mukta. That is the position of Rabbi Yehuda in general. That if you couldn't have thought of it on, on Erev, if you didn't think of an Erev Shabbos, Erev Shabbos is, is a hammer that you typically use to do binyan, and therefore you can't just magically, because you need it now, use it right on Shabbos. Whereas Rabbi Shimon holds the default is that if you have the opportunity to use it now in a mutter way, so now, so that's not mukta, right? That is 
included in what your thought process was beforehand, uh, before Shabbos, included in all that are things that you'd be able to use in a mutter way. And that's what we mean when we say Rabbi Huda holds that Isle Muksa, Rabbi Shimon holds Lesle Muksa. What is the default? Do you have to really have an active preparatory thought? And, and the real nafkamina is, does an item that you have used for now, is it going to be considered muksa because you didn't think of it beforehand or not? And that would be the machlokas. So that really lays the scene. So now, So now we say like this, this is a chicken that you are using to lay eggs. Now the egg was not, it was just nolid today. So you didn't certainly didn't prepare it. So we say it's muksa. Says the Gemara, Umay Kusha. Dilma Beit Shammai lays the muksa. So now the Gemara says, maybe Beit Shammai holds like Rabbi Shimon, as Rashi explains. Right? The Dilma Rabbi Shimon sphere lehu. Okay. And therefore he doesn't hold a muksa, which is to say he understands that there's muksa, but he has the use for the egg now. He wants to eat the egg. Certainly eating an egg is mutter on Yantiv. And, and, and this, some people say, this is why it says, because if it was Shabbos, you'd have to eat the raw egg. But on Yantiv, you can make a three-egg omelet. Anyways, so, like they do at the Waldorf. So, so the thing is, like this, right? The Gemara is suggesting that maybe, right, the egg, right, should be mukta because of the fact that, but, but I'm sorry, the Gemara is saying now, maybe Beit Shammai, just holds like a Shimon that since you have the use for it now, it should be okay to use and considered mucha, not mukta. But the Gemara says no. Kasaka daitin afilu man deshari b'mukta benolat aser. No, it's possible. We assumed right in this particular case that even though the discussion we had within Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Huda would uh, apply to something that had been in existence, right? So the hammer case, the hammer was in the drawer all through. Right, since, you know, for the last week, right? But the case of the Beitzah, that was not even in the world on Benishmashos. So what the Gemara is saying here is that could be a scenario where even Rabbi Shimon would agree, right, that there's an Isser of Mukta. Right, so that's what the Gemara says. Kasach daitin afiluman de sharbim Mukta benoilad, which is more severe, Aser. And according to that, my taimayu to Beit Shammai. According to that, how would Beit Shammai then reconcile Right? How could he say that you could eat this beitzah? Because this is not just the average case of muktza that, that, that Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Huda disagree on. This is nolad, where even Rabbi Shimon holds that it's aser. Now, Tosas points out, and the Gemara is going to continue to bear this out, that the truth of the matter is that we have precedent in Shabbos Chavtas, as you might recall. Rabbi Shimon is shari b'muktza and b'nolad. So, uh, however, Tosos then goes on to say that that's Shivrei Kalim that's different. And we can see how Shivrei Kalim in Shabbos was different. Because again, you had a dish. The dish was certainly, even Rabbi Huda would agree, you could use the dish, right? Then the dish breaks. So it goes back to the Machlokas of Shimon Rabbi Huda, as we've described. According to Rabbi Shimon, you have use for it still. Assuming you have some utility for the Shivrei Kalim, so even though they weren't Shivrei Kalim, the dish was okay, the Shivrei Kalim are usable, so what's the problem? According to Yehuda, no, you didn't prepare these Shivrei Kalim, and therefore he's going to say that it's Muktza. So there they're going to have the Machlokas, but the suggestion here of the Gemara is that that's different, right? Tosos points out, 
Because this was not even in the world until now, this Beit Shinol to be Yantiv. And therefore, even Rabbi Shimon would agree that it's Asr. So how could Beit Shammai say we can eat it? So Rav Nachman makes a suggestion. I'm a Rav Nachman, 13 lines up. Right, that we're talking about not the golden goose. Uh, I'm sorry, that we are talking about the golden goose. However, says Rav Nachman, the, the machlokis is, in fact, whatever you hold by muksa, you're going to hold by nolad. That's what Rav Nachman suggests. As the Gemara says, Ud isle muksa isle nolad, ud leisle muksa leisle nolad. If you hold of muksa, then you also hold that nolad is a problem. But if you hold like Rabbi Shimon, that you don't have a problem of muksa, and the default is that it's muchan until proven otherwise, and you'd have to have something severe to knock it out of the category of muchan, so also nolad is not going to be a problem. Lesle muksa, lesle nolad, beishamai kirabi shimin, uve silkirabi huda, and there. Our very Gemara is, going, is now mentioning that famous Machlokas Rabbi Shimon Rabbi Yehuda and lines up Beit Shammai who allows us to eat the egg with Rabbi Shimon who doesn't hold of Muksa, so to speak, right? Who, uh, or the way we prefer to say it is he holds of Muchan until proven otherwise, even in the context of Nolad. And therefore, even the Beit Shashanol, the Beyantiv, is going to be considered Muchan and you can eat it. Okay. However, the Gemara is going to question this because of Nachman may be tripping himself up on something that he had said at a different point in time, as follows. Says the Gemara, Miyama Rav Nachman Hachi? Is really Rav Nachman making the suggestion that, Be- that our Mishnah is like Bechamai, who holds like Rabbi Shimon, after all? Behatnan, we learn the Mishnah in Daf- Shabbos, Daf Kufmim Gimel, Bechamai Omrim, Magvim al Shulchan Atzamas Tuklipim. The famous case, you finished your meal and now you have bones and shells on the table. Beit Shammai says you could lift up those bones and clean it up. No, you have to sort of like shift the entire table and shake the bones off it that way because he's concerned about Muktzah. The Amar of Nachman, and there it is. Look at him. There he is again. In that context of that Mishnah, Rav Nachman had said, Rav Nachman had an issue when we learned that. He had learned uh, in that version of the Mishnah, that it was actually the opposite. That Beit Shammai holds like Rabbi Huda and Beit holds like Rabbi Shimon. So that is not how we hold, right? We hold that Beit Shammai is like Rabbi Shimon and Beit is like Rabbi Huda. But it's Verb Nachman himself who has it backwards from what we know. So who? So how could he here say that it's Beit Shammai, Rabbi Shimon, Beit Shammai, Rabbi Huda? He had expressed the exact opposite um, idea back over there in Masechus Shabbos. So the Gemara is reconciling it like this. Amalach of Nachman. That was Masechus Shabbos. This is Masechus Beitzah. As follows, Gabi Shabbos, the Sassam Latanak Rabbi Shimon. When it comes to Shabbos, we hold like Rabbi Shimon. In other words, Astam Mishnah, right, is going to be like Rabbi Shimon. When he says Shtam Mishnah, mind you, in that case it's going to be Beis Hillel, Right? Basil is always, you always want to be on Beis Hillel's side, right? Because Beis Hillel is going to win. That's going to be the halacha. So Stam Mishnah is going to be like Beis Hillel. So that's why it's not unusual that Beis Hillel is going to be Mekil by Shabbos, but Machmir by Yantiv as he is by us, as follows. Right? Gabi Shabbos, the Sassam Latanaka Rabbi Shimon, 
right? In, 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 with the context of Shabbos, it's Beis Hillel, that's the Mekil, like Rabbi Shimon Ditznan, like we learned in the Mishnah, in Shabbos Kufnun Vav, Mechat Chines Adluin Lefnei Behema Vetsanevela Lefnei Aklovim. Right? You could cut all the animal gourds and the Nevela, right? And Mokim and that is a Stam Mishnah, right? And we say that there's no issue of Mokts on that. Mokim Lala Beis Hillel Rabbi Shimon. And there we established that that is what Beis Hillel allows, and we said it's because he holds like Rabbi Shimon. That was in Masechah's Shabbos. Aval, as we turn to Beis Amin Beis, Gabi Yantiv, the Sassim Latanik Rabbi Yehuda, when it comes to Yantiv, the Tana holds like Rabbi Yehuda, Lechumra. That is coming up on Beit Salamad Aleph, Ditznan. As we learn in the Mishnah, Ein Mevakin Eitzim Min HaKoros. Right? You can't take, if you have, let's say, beams that are part of a structure, you can't just take those beams and use them Right for firewood. Now, obviously, this is in yontiv because you don't use firewood on Shabbos. But on yontiv to cook, you do use firewood. But you can't just take muktzah on yontiv out of a building, or a beam that used to be part of a structure and now it broke. You can't use that for firewood. And so we have there, So there we said, in Shabbos, we said that we hold, that Beis Hillel held like Rabbi Shimon, that we're allowed to write in Shabbos. The context was Rabbi Beis Hillel said you could cut up the gourds and the meat. So there was no muktzah issue on Shabbos. And here, later on in Beitzah, when we talk about Yantiv, the same Beis Hillel is going to be Mekil like Rabbi Yehuda. And he's going to say, I'm sorry, the same Beis Hillel is going to be Machmir like Rabbi Yehuda. Right? I'm sorry, it's confusing enough without. So again, in Shabbos, right, Beis Hillel was, mach, was in Shabbos, Beis Hillel was making like Rabbi Shimon, and he said that you could cut up, right, the, the gourds and the meat. And in Yantiv, Beis Hillel is machmir, like Rabbi Yehuda, and he says that you cannot use this structure for firewood. So the question is, how could Beis Hillel hold like Rabbi Shimon, right, in Shabbos, and like Rabbi Yehuda, in Yontiv. How does this work? That's the question the Gemara is going to ask now. But again, this is all a long way of saying Rav Nachman is not internally consistent because he sounds like he's saying that Basil holds like Rabbi Yehuda in one area and holds like Rabbi Shimon in, an area, in another area. And the answer is, yeah, you picked up on something very important. It is, in fact, the case that Basil, which is the reflection of the Halacha, right, is in fact holding like Rabbi Shimon in Shabbos and like Rabbi Huda in Yantiv. How so? Four lines down in Beis and Beis, the Gemara asks, Mechti, let's see what's going on here. Man sat We're going to reveal, right, the greatest of all time, Rebbe. Who wrote this up? There was one editor, right? So this isn't like multiple editors uh, and one holds like Rabbi Shimon and one holds like Rabbi Huda. It's one editor, Rebbe. So how do he keep it so inconsistent? Right? In other words, in Shabbos, he made the Stam Mishnayis Lakula, like Rabbi Shimon, with respect to Muktzah. In Yantiv, he made the Stam Mishnayis, like Rabbi Huda, which are Machmir, with respect to Muktzah. Rashi brings out a fundamental idea, which is, Rabbi, like we think of the Rambam, when he, when he codifies Halachas, sometimes he doesn't say where he's getting it from, and it's a whole Tyra to figure out where did the Rambam get this Halacha, in the Gemara, and we see that how he held in the Gemara. But there is even a more fundamental, more basic, you could say. Even Rebbe did that to a certain extent. Because when he wrote Estam Mishnah, as Rashi points out, he didn't want to say, 
Oh, this is according, only according to, to one mandamer. This is according to another mandamer. When the halacha was psukha in a certain way, he would sometimes just not say who said it, right? Not attribute it to a mandamer and, and present it as a stam mishnah in order to enforce, so to speak, and give the impression, because that's the human psyche, if it's not attributed to anybody, then you can't say, oh, we don't hold like that, right? It sounds like halacha psukha. And therefore, Rebbe intentionally left the name out when he thought that that was, when he wanted to impress upon us that that was the halacha, for us to remind us that that's the halacha. So he did so, like based Hillel, and thus, like Rabbi Yehuda in, right, Lechumra in Yantiv, and like Rabbi Shimon, Lakula in Shabbos. So why did he do so? So it's an internal contradiction, seemingly, within Rabbi. Says the Gemara, no, it was very deliberate. As follows, Amri, the Gemara answers, Shabbos de Chamir, Oh, he did it intentionally. And Shabbos, which is Chamer anyway, and everybody says Shabbos, and everybody gets um, worried that they're going to be, because of all the Chumras, people are not going to be Mazalzel, and therefore he was so similar like Rabbi Shimon and allowed you to be lenient with respect to Muktza. And Yantiv de Kil ve Zilzulebe. However, Yantiv, where because of Ochal Nefesh and everybody's cooking and everybody's having a great time, people might think, therefore, that Muktza is not even a thing. Sasam Lakum Yehuda de Machmir. The halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda and Yanta and Machmir. So again, a very fascinating, but this cuts to the core of Muktza. Is Muktza like real? So we'll see, right? We have the Raman talks about the Muktza that arrived in the days of David and Melech, and, and, and then we have Muktza and things that uh, were already in Torah. And so we're going to get into, like, dig deep into Muktza, but to some extent, right, Muktza is a Takana, to some extent, Muktza is the Raisa. Be that as it may, we see that it's fluid enough that it allows us to hold like one for Shabbos and like the other for Yantiv, which is fascinating. So now we're 10 lines down, Beis and Beis, and the Gemara asks, okay, okay, Rav Nachman, Bamayu Kimta. So let's get back. We just got a Muktza lesson. Now we're a little smarter. So what, ha, what, what's the case in the Mishnah? You said that it's Betanakol, Samarit, Legadal Beisim, Shum Muktza. You said the word Muktza that set us off on a mini Shir Klali, and now we're back. So let's see if we can figure it out. It's the golden goose. And it's because of Muktza. So, Why is the Machlokas about the egg? Let the Machlokas be about the chicken itself. In other words, the chicken is the golden goose. So the question is, is the chicken Muktza or not? Why do we have to get involved with an egg that was born? Answers the Gemara, To teach you, the Koch of Shamay is Mekil, to Venolad Shari, that not only is he going to say that the Muktza is Mutter, again, Rav Nachman his whole premise is that whatever you hold by Muktzah, you're going to hold by Nolad as well. So the question that we're asking out of Nachman is, so then why are we talking about the Nolad? Let's talk about the Muktzah. Right. The answer is that the Nolad is a bigger Chiddush. That even though, right, Nolad and Muktzah, according to Nachman, are the same, the Muktzah, the chicken was here on Erev Yantiv. The, right, the, the egg wasn't even in the world. That's a bigger Chiddush to say that that would be Muchan. Okay. The Gemara asks, however, I... Okay, but, but it's a bigger Kiddush that Beishil is, is Machmer in the Tarnagolus, because the chicken was here. So, so, if we, so why do we prefer to teach you the Koch of Beishamai over the Koch of Beishilel? So we're about to learn a fundamental idea that we know. Well, maybe the reason why, right, so the suggestion, maybe the reason why we're preferring to learn, right, the egg over the chicken. What came first, by the way, the chicken or the egg? 
the chicken. This is the, one, of the, one of the dumbest conundrums of all time. Hashem didn't create eggs necessarily. He could have if he wanted to, but he probably created the chicken. Anyways, because if he created an egg, who would sit on the egg, Andrew? Come on, man. He created a chicken. So we, we solved an age-old conundrum. We're ready to move on. He <laughs> created the chicken. Okay. So what's koch de etera adif? Like this. Beisel, it's a chiddish that it's asur by the chicken. Uh, right? Beit Shammai, it's a chiddish that it's mutter by the egg. So why would you prefer Beit Shammai and the mutter by the egg? Pasha, koch de etera adif. I have a startup company and I hire in-house counsel. And all he says is, you know, maybe that's a problem. I don't know if you want to do that. That's a problem. Maybe you shouldn't do that. That could be a problem. Yeah, I don't need, I, I don't need in-house counsel to tell me that everything could be a problem. I know everything could be a problem. That's why I have in-house counsel to tell me, to help me navigate, right? As Rashi says very beautifully here, right? Right? Uh, in other words, he knows what he's doing. He knows, the, he knows the subject matter. And therefore, because you know with clarity the subject matter, you're not afraid to say, navigate this way, right? I never had a startup company. I'm already angry at this in-house counsel because he's not helping me at all. If you really know the subject matter, you know where the minefields are and you know how to avoid them. If you just have a vague idea, so it could be anywhere, you can say, just don't go there altogether. So koach de'ater adif means that you really know it very well, and therefore you know it well enough to be able to say the, where, how to navigate the halacha. Wow. So that would be a reason in itself to teach you to go with Beis Shammai, because he's more of a koach de'ater in this context. However, says the Gemara, if that was the case, v'niflog betarvayu. So then just say, Right? Just say the chicken and the egg. And you'd learn, right? The koch de'etera. Says Tosvos, right? V'niflog v'tarvayu. Says Tosvos, we have koch de'etera all over Shas. And we've never made the suggestion of let's just learn both. <laughs> right? This could apply to any time when we say koch de'etera adif. Just learn both. And then you'll learn the koch of Isura and hetera. What would be the problem? Why is the Gemara Dafka in this case suggesting that we mention both cases? We always, it's almost always a zero-sum game where we assume that you can only mention one. Says so Tos is a, fun, uh, a funny answer that really he who how many extra calories are you burning to say he who It's shorthand, it's fine. You know, in this context, it wouldn't have taken us that much extra time to learn Hiyuvetsasa, and that's why Dafka in this context we're suggesting uh, to say both. Be that as it may, in the middle of Beis Amid Beis, we are now completed with the, right, suggestion of, of Nachman. And therefore, right, it's talking about Tarnagol, so the Gadol Beitzin, and it's Lodiacha Kocha Deveis Shammai. Okay. Fine. So the Gemara says, no. We don't like Rav Nachman's explanation because perhaps if it was according to Rav Nachman, we're not sure why we mentioned the egg and not the chicken. And therefore, let's make another suggestion. We're not talking about the golden goose. We're talking about the chicken that you had intended to eat. Well, therefore, if it's chicken that you intended to eat, you should certainly be allowed to eat the egg. It's all food. And it's yantiv. What's bad? How could, right... Beis Hill, I'll say it's Asr. El Amar Rabbah, Laolam Etanagos, Amar Lachilo, Viyamta Shechalios Achar Shabbos Saskino. We're talking specifically on Sunday. 
It's a yontif that falls out on Sunday. Umishum hachana. This is not muktzah. Even though the opposite of muktzah is muchan, this is a whole new concept. So fundamentally new that it's famously been, been uh, named hachana de rabba. This is the concept of hachana de rabba, a standalone idea like this. V'kasava rabba, as the Gemara is going to explain, kol beitzah de misyalda ha'idna me'esmal gamala. First of all, any egg that's born today is, was prepared, so to speak, yesterday, right? It was formed inside the, the hen yesterday. And Rabba is following his own ideas, which is the Amar, Rabba, my dichsiv. What does the Pesach mean in the Torah when it says, that on Friday you have to prepare for Shabbos? It means to teach you, a fundamental idea of Achana de Rabba. The, the Pasuk, you see, we already know that they collected double on Friday. We know enough that we know that you're collecting on Friday for Shabbos. Why did the Pasuk have to spell it out? To teach you that you have to prepare on Shabbos and on Yantiv on Chol. Only on Chol do you prepare for Shabbos and Yantiv. You do not, however, prepare one holy day to another. Not Shabbos to Yantiv or Yantiv to Shabbos. We'll get into Erev Tashilin soon enough. But for now, you're not preparing on Shabbat, from Shabbos to Yantiv or from Yantiv to Shabbos at all. And therefore, this chicken is a preparation from Shabbos to Yantiv because the chicken was prepared by Hashem, so to speak. It was formed on Shabbos. It's coming on Yantiv. Eating this would be a violation of a Chana de Rabbah. You can only eat, right, that which was prepared on a Chol. Amalei Abaya, whoever Abaya asks Rabbi, if Yantiv is on a Tuesday, it should be Mutter. Right? Because it was prepared on Monday. What would be bad? Says the rabbi answers, No, but if, you, if we let you eat it on Yantiv on Tuesday, then, we have, then you might eat it on Yantiv when it's Sunday, and we have a Gezerah, and therefore we don't let you eat it on Yantiv at all. Abaya says, so Shabbos Dalma Tishtris. Okay, so regular Shabbos in Shvat should be allowed. Yeah, but if it is in fact, right, it's a Gezerah, what if uh, Yantiv falls out on Friday? And therefore, because if Yantav falls out on Friday, it would be a violation of Achan and Deraba, we're not going to let you eat it on Shabbos ever. Says the Gemara, But we already learned, right, in a brysa, that if you shecht a, uh, a hen, and you find, uh, right, which you're allowed to do on Yantav, and you find eggs inside it, then you're allowed to eat them. In other words, if we let you eat, Right, those eggs, as the brysa does, then aren't you going to also potentially eat the eggs of a beitzah shenolda? Right. In other words, if we're going to let you eat it when you find it inside a shechted hen, maybe we're going to come to eat it once it's right comes out of the chicken. That's not a common occurrence to find eggs inside a shechted animal. Uh, and the shechta chicken, and therefore, and that is the only reason why the brysa allows you to, in fact, eat those eggs, because, uh, we would have made that gazera, but we don't make that gazera because of the fact that it is not common, and uncommon occurrences, the rabbanon were not gozer on. So we will pick up tomorrow, second line from the bottom, with the, with the suggestion, the third explanation of a Mishnah of Rabbi Yosef.